Welcome to Live in a Home That Pays You Back, the podcast for people who want to get the absolute most out of owning a home. Your host is Anna D. Simone, who explains how your home can be healthy, sustainable, and provide long-term security for you and your family. Anna's guests include technology leaders and innovators in the housing industry who share the kind of knowledge you need to meet the market with confidence. Make informed decisions about home construction, renovation, energy scores, water conservation, wind, solar, geothermal power, and lots more. It's time for you to live in a home that pays you back. Now here's your host, Anna DeSimone. Hello, everyone. This is Anity Simone, and welcome to the podcast, Live in a Home That Pays You Back. And I have to tell you, this is one day where I wish we were on YouTube, because when you hear about the glass forest and the thermal blanket at the Schaefer Wall and the Schaefer Wood that our guest today has designed and built in his 40-year history you would be amazed. I mean, I was just melting looking at the photos of his website, The Big Cabin. So I'm happy today to bring you Mr. Brian Schaefer. And he is with us today from the magnificent Rocky Mountains. Brian has spent 40 years designing and building homes for clients throughout America's mountain states, Alaska, Florida, and in Japan. As a matter of fact, he has finished 800 projects in addition to designing and developing these amazing state-of-the-art fabricating products. So Brian is founder of Big Cabin Log and Timber and also Edgewood Homes. Now, he has designed his state-of-the-art building systems known as the Glass Forest, Thermal Blanket, Schaefer Wall, and Schaefer Wood. And I'm so happy that you're with us today, Brian. Thank you. Glad to be here, Anna. Thank you. So, so because you have such an incredible history, why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you started Big Cabin Log and Timber? And I don't want to give any secrets away because you have done something that is so unique. And I'm going to let you tell everybody all about it. But tell us how it all got started. Well, um, it started, of course, in a completely different uh, mindset and uh, direction. Uh, the intent was not to uh, develop into what we have, but it's important to be, uh, I think I always feel it's important to be nimble and uh, and go with the flow and, and evolve. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I first started, I, uh, you know, this was actually in about 1980 when I started getting involved in reading about uh, log homes and the industry was really in its infancy at that time. Yeah. And um, of course, that was before the Internet. And, and uh, so, you know, I check out books from the library and uh, learn about it and uh, uh, yeah. reading at night, you know, because I had a regular job Yeah, and uh, became enthralled with it and then uh, had an opportunity to uh, the company I worked for offered me to a, a management position to stay to stay on rather than start go start my own company and everybody yeah. in my family and friends all thought I was crazy but I I you know I was I'd been bitten by the bug so I I, I went and started I, I turned down the the management position started my own company uh, and mm. built the first equipment and uh, ran it all myself and mm. uh, and just started the idea was to just manufacture logs for other other companies 
Yeah. And that's that's how I started. But what you've done is you've taken the manufacturer's process and you've incorporated some of these environmental pieces to it and you're delivering log frames, like an entire wall section, like energy efficient walls that look so authentic, like hand built, hand hewn walls. So tell us how you went about creating that, your products. Well, uh, I think it, it uh, all of these, these building systems and, and, um, uh, Schaefer Wall is, I think, what you're speaking to right now. Yeah. Uh, but all, all four of the the building systems that are found uh, as offerings through Big Cabin are all a direct result of of me trying to um, improve on a process or a system that that uh, I had been in, in exposed to, and and that's how most of the rest of the industry has always has always done things. And so I, I always feel there's room for advancement and improvement. And uh, in the case of the Schaefer wall, um, it's, it is a, it's truly a, a hybrid. It's a blend of some, some initial milling uh, and then all the finished work is done by hand. So um, much like, you know, the, the famous furniture maker, Gustav Stickley. Um, oh, I remember Stickley. They're yeah, still around. So, yeah. So in one of, one of his, in an interview, um, he described his process and, you know, where he'd gone to England to learn from the masters and, you know, the, the handcraft, you know, handmade furniture. And then he, he, he spent a year or more there learning their techniques. And he came back to America and being a being a American entrepreneur, he decided to to apply uh, some mechanics to the more laborious parts of the task to, sh- to sort of preliminarily shape the, the pieces of the furniture, um, mm. sort of rough it out for lack of a better term, right. and then allow his craftspeople uh, now who are not tired and worn out from doing the laborious part of the task, allow their their true uh, artistry to manifest itself by taking those pieces that are close to finished product and, and actually hand fitting and hand finishing those pieces into a piece of work of art. And that's really what we do with our with our Schaefer wall log building systems. Well, it's almost like a tongue and groove locking mechanism that, that keeps the logs together, like the stickly furniture. Like you don't really see the nails in his furniture. But so, so tell me about if somebody were to buy a piece of land in, you know, Colorado, Idaho, and they put in a foundation, would, would they be able to order the Schaefer wall and your wood for the internal decor and your thermal blanket and roof, like almost like a prefabricated kit. I mean, so how do you deliver your materials to, to someone who is in a lower price range, not the custom built price range of Edgewood homes, but you talk, talk to us a little bit about the more affordable options first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, happy to. Um, the the Schaefer wall is really uh, there's really no more efficient and cost effective way to to build a an authentic you know handcrafted looking uh, structure uh, that you're not building yourself as an owner builder. Uh, okay. If if you actually want to achieve you know some some sweat equity and actually stack your own logs and that sort of thing, then obviously that's more cost effective because if you're not valuing your time. Yeah. Uh, so 
the 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 Schaefer wall, if you're not going to physically stack the logs and physically stain and, and install windows and stain logs and chink logs, then then all of that's done for you at the factory and 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 the walls will will assemble uh in in two to four days on site and uh and, and that's extremely cost effective and and you can choose to just order Schaefer walls or as in most cases the client chooses to say well I've got kind of a basic design idea we'd like some help with the with the plans uh, we may even have an architect invo- involved, and, and, and we collaborate with our architect to help make sure it all works in the structural world with logs. And, uh, and then they may opt to utilize the thermal blanket roof system on, on all or part of the structure, maybe blend that with I more conventional that. framing. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then they oftentimes will ask us to supply uh, exterior siding and fascia materials that 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 uh, possess the Schaefer wood antiquing and thermal thermal treating process hmm. so it's more of a it's more of an a la carte kind of a kind of a concept they can they can order as many pieces of these Schaefer systems as as they like so are there builders throughout the country that are familiar with your products and they order the walls and the systems and and utilize those systems when they're doing a custom-built home for someone who wants that log and timber style? Yes, yes. Um, it's actually both ends of the spectrum. We we have uh, builders that will uh, that have maybe their own method of, of roof framing that they, that they prefer and they're used to and they're comfortable with. So they might only purchase uh, Schaefer walls from us. Ah. Uh, on the other hand, um, we've got uh, log home builders that uh, ask us to provide a, a glass forest window wall system in their their log home, mm. and, yeah, uh, and 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 we can do that uh, at, through through Big Cabin. So so it's truly a, you know you choose which system or or whether you want in in many cases the homeowners have us provide all four systems in in their home. Wow. Well, so now that I've talked about the glass forest and I can't show the visuals, can you talk a little bit about some of the projects you've done where people chose the glass forest window set up and, you know, and what the feedback has been from those customers? Yeah, that's the, the feedback is the fun part. Um, but uh, we've done a, a number of, uh, I, I don't know, I've lost count how many glass forests we've done. I think I did the first one in about uh, 96 or 7. And um, it is it is a very, well, like all the Schaefer systems, they're, they're, they're very sophisticated in, in, in engineering and design, but re- remarkably simple because of that. Uh, so the, the the glass forest um, is is mostly an illusion, uh, but is mm. structural and is a is a structural uh, moment frame uh, wall of, wall of glass and, and engineered products that, that looks like something else and uh, and performs amazingly and in both in in energy efficiency, air infiltration, and of course most important uh, aesthetics uh, that. Blurring that interior and exterior space. Um, hmm. as, far, as far as feedback, my probably my favorite story is a, a, a smaller project actually for for husband and wife that are both um, 
dentists from Texas and they bought this property in Colorado and we've done an awful lot of work in Colorado and uh, it was a, a modest log home and but they really she really wanted the glass forest and during the design process um, there were there were one or two instances where uh, she and I sort of butted heads about the design direction specifically as it relates to the glass forest and, and I had a vision in my mind of how it ought how it ought to work in this structure hmm. And ultimately, I had to, you know, remind her that, you know, that she'd hired me to do this for a reason and to trust me. And uh, and so she she acquiesced. And uh, and it was, you know, fast forward six or eight months later on site and uh, they had been away on vacation. And I, I was actually on site there um, doing some touch up uh, staining and whatnot. And it was about eight o'clock in the evening. And. And they walked in and I and they were supposed to be there till the next day. And they walked in and surprised me that evening. They didn't know I was going to be there. I didn't know they were going to be there. And uh, oh. when they when they walked in, she walked right past me because it's the first time she'd seen the glass forest installed in her house. And uh, ah. she walked past me and walked over to the tree, the cedar tree that's, you know, hand stripped of bark. So all the natural texture still on the face of the log. And she her back was to me and she was touching the tree and rubbing it and and her husband and I were standing there you know side by side looking at her and and I and it went on for you know about a minute or so and I asked him I said is she okay and he said yeah I think she's great and when she turned around she was crying oh and, what a and she came walking over to me and gave me a big hug and, and she said I'm so glad I listened to you so <laughs> well you're the expert so so Walk me through this, because when I saw pictures, I saw a lot of these beautiful second story or very high level angled windows that were virtually seamless. You know, the pieces of glass were coming to a point almost shaped like a tent, floor to ceiling. But can you tell us how this customer of yours was able to touch the bark of a tree? Was a tree growing inside the house? Uh, no, no, but it looks like it is. Oh, that's interesting. Because mm -hmm. it's hard to tell in the pictures on your website. It's hard to tell so, in person. So, so how, so she walked in and touched the bark, but is this something like out of a science fiction? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to visualize this without, without thinking about the movies. She, were her, her hand isn't going through the glass, but no, where, no, she's she's literally, literally just touching, touching the side of the tree. But don't you have to open the window to do that? No, the tree is is uh, half the tree is inside of the house, and half of the tree oh. is outside of the house. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I get it. I get it now. Yeah, yeah. So that, that. it looks as though the 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 the, the glass is cutting all the way through the tree in fact it's it's not but uh but it looks as though the trees were there and we built the house around the trees and mm -hmm. and that the glass was slid in to the tree somehow from above before we built the house is really kind of what it looks like wow now tell me um are you doing creative cutting of the glass or do you do that part with wood like wrapping the wood around parts of the tree uh, we, we have the glass manufactured to very very accurate set of specifications and sizes and shapes 
yeah. uh, so that we can work uh, within the within the shape of the tree. And these are primarily all cedar trees that are have a dramatic fluted base. Uh, so they're they're uh, a wild differentiation in between in size, you know, diameter from the top of the tree to the bottom. So we have to wow. cut, we have to manufacture the glass in custom sizes and shapes to work uh, within the um, organic shape of the tree, and and allowing for the growth of that tree. Well, the tree is not going to grow any longer because um, you know it's been cut uh, in the forest, um, uh, standing dead primarily, and uh, and then and then brought to the site. So it's oh. it, but uh, but the tree uh, wood being wood, it's still you have to account for um, the changing humidity levels from season to season and 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 some movement in the expansion and contraction of the tree, even just from the heat of the sun during the day. So uh, that's that's one of the critical uh, engineering elements of a glass forest is that uh, we've we've factored those those nuances into the design and uh, so that we don't have structural issues with with glass fitting in, into massive pieces of wood. Oh, okay. So it's purely aesthetics, and it's a very high, you know, cutting-edge use of aesthetics. So I'm curious now, did you do some of these projects in Japan? Because you did a lot of work in Japan, I noticed. I, I, I've yet to have the opportunity to do a glass forest in Japan, but, but the genesis of the idea uh, was formed in my mind from the time I spent in Japan and exposure to Japanese residential architecture and where they really focus on the blurring of of interior and exterior space and bringing nature in to the home and hmm. extending living space into nature. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, there are trees. There are tall trees and views. Exactly. So I would imagine that a lot of your clients have purchased land with mountain views and very spectacular vision. So they want a lot of glass incorporated into the design so that they're, you know, taking panoramic views in from the home that you're building for them. So it might not be a glass farce, but there's also strategic use of glass in everything you do. There, there is, yeah, you, yeah, you, you accurately picked up on that, and and uh, one of the things that is, you know, inherently common and understood about log homes is they, they historically tend to be dark, uh, so uh, right, so we we uh, we're very very involved in the design process to um, implement as much glass and natural mm-hmm. light into the structure as we could possibly get. Uh, And that's why if you look at a lot of the imagery on on either website, whether it's Sedgewood or Big Cabin, um, you'll see that the the interior of our homes don't appear to be as dark as what what you'd expect. So I absolutely agree with you. You know, historically, the log and timber look is dark. And I guess we think that. I guess we're biased from watching so much television and, you know, <laughs> seeing all those candles. But, you know, it's funny when I when I started looking at your glass bars, all I could think about is the current episode of Succession that's been on television where everyone, <laughs> all the executives, you know, working for the for the company went to Scandinavia and they were in these tall tree houses and... It was very, very interesting to see how 
you have those eagle nests for humans at the top of a tree and how beautiful it is. But, and of course, speaking of television, the television show Yellowstone it has really gotten people much greater appreciation of log homes. And I'm sure that you've heard this. And uh, there's nothing warmer than the authentic look of timber inside the house. And I noticed, so we'll talk a little bit about the Schaefer wood, because you have taken wood and fabricated it in such a way that it, it looks like reclaimed wood. It's got you know, all, you know, these beautiful different color choices and finishes. So talk about the energy and environmental benefits of the Schaefer wood. Okay. The, uh, the look, the, you know, the, the authenticity that comes from using a wood or a plank or a timber that, that looks as though it's old. And whether, That's you know, right. we've, we've used a lot of true reclaimed, um, in the past and, uh, and it has its own, uh, you know, pluses and minuses. Um, you know, one of the negative sides of it was, uh, is that you use a lot of extra material and, uh, it, it does not, it is not, um, thermally treated, which is a term that is kind of a, really an Americanized term of, of uh, the Japanese process called uh, Shoshugiban, where mm. the, they would uh, they would char the wood. And, uh, you know, s- several hundred years ago, they came up with that idea. And it was it was a very simple idea to to burn the cedar siding for their homes. Um, and then um, and in many cases, they left the char intact and applied mm. this siding to the side of their homes. Um and, and the heat treated wood is much like uh, case hardening steel for, for knives or axes or swords or something, you know, that the, mm. uh, the heating and uh, and squelching process uh, case hardens the wood. So it's more resilient to uh, to the elements. Um, and a beautiful side benefit is that it is more attractive. It ages and it darkens it. And, uh, the little, the little hairline checks are, are, are black and dark like they've been outside for a very, very long time. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. You've got some beautiful colors. So yeah, I want to, yeah, I had another question for you because you do a lot of work in the, and the, the Rocky Mountains area. And I don't want to say the word wildfire, but, we do have to accept the fact that we do have wildfire seasons in America. So do your energy efficient or sustainability features that you've designed in your systems, I mean, how, how can you offer a homeowner protection against drought or ash coming in from wildfire, even if it's 100 miles away? Ash is going to travel. So tell us about your your products and how you incorporate some protections there from drought, especially. Okay, well, I would I would uh, I would estimate that by drought you mean that it that the drought would 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 uh, affect the surrounding uh, forest land and, and could lead to to a natural wildfire, and that wildfire could. It could potentially, you know, cause harm to the structure. 
Um, and uh, mm-hmm. simply put, the um, you know a, a full log wall is in and of itself recognized as a two hour firewall. Uh, it, it it carries oh, its really? own. Yes, yeah. Just just due to the mass, and there are no, you know, there are no stud bays in a con- conventional stick frame home. You have a, you know, you have a you have a stud bay every sixteen inches in the wall, which is essentially a chimney effect. And and if you can get get a fire started on an exterior from a wildfire, um, then you create this sort of chimney effect, and and that's why a, a stick frame home is typically more um, susceptible to wildfire than a solid wood home. And so, uh, so, I mean, there are, there are jurisdictions in some of the Rocky mountain, uh, states and counties where, where they literally says right in the code that you have to either have a class A fire rated exterior siding application on your frame home, or it needs to be a log home. Yeah. Either one, either one will, will be approved. And, uh, and then, then beyond that, then, then the roof system is actually more susceptible to wildfire than, than the walls because because of the roof overhangs. And as you mentioned, the, the settling and flying ash and that sort of thing. So, uh, if you use a, a, a fire resistant finished roofing, that's a great step in the right direction there. But then you, you tend to still have the potential chimney effect of a conventionally framed roof system with a, with a, you know, an insulation bay every 16 inches and a, and a soffit and ridge vent that causes fire to actually get sucked into the roof cavity because of the venting process. Uh, So our, our roof system is a class A fire rated roof system with, with our three by 10 bison board is, is your soffit and your roof structure. and, And of course that carries a, a two-hour fire rating in your soffits, and there are no vents to carry the the ashes or the sparks into your roof framing through oh. the vent systems. It's a solid, yeah. unvented yeah. roof. Uh, and then we use a specialized roof sheeting around the edges that is um, that uh, resist fire. So, uh, so an, a, a a dry shell structural package from big cabin or uh, an Edgewood home is in and of itself a Class A fire-rated structure. Wow. Well, I guess what I was thinking about was the foundations, because I know that when there has been drought in some of the Midwestern states, especially in Nevada, um, the dryness has caused the concrete foundations to begin to crumble. And this has been happening to all of the homeowners in particular neighborhoods because of the lack of water that would normally continue in perpetuity, keep those foundations stronger. I mean, they get stronger every year after they're built. And of course, these are newer homes and, you know, they're not built like your log homes are built. But what is the typical type of foundation or basement structure that your that your home buyers have in the, the Rocky Mountain states? Um, primarily in the Rocky Mountain West, we're, we're using a, you know, a poured in place solid concrete foundation, whether it be a crawl space, um, a slab on grade or, or basement. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yes. And, uh, and since, uh, a log home is, has more mass and is heavier than a conventional stick frame home. Yes. Our footings are wider and bigger. Uh-huh. Uh, so there's simply more surface area of contact uh, right. t- to the earth, 
to the ground. There's a bigger mm-hmm. concrete to soil footprint yeah. uh, because of the weight of the building. Uh, so any potential settling that might happen due to movement in the soils, uh, which is probably what's caused the issues you mentioned in Nevada, um, yeah. uh, is is minimized because we are, we're, we're, for lack of a better term, we're over-engineering, over-building our foundations to handle the additional weight yeah. of our structures. Uh-huh. That solves the problem right there. So it's not really about dryness and temperature. It's the fact that you're created such a strong, a much stronger foundation to begin with because of the weight of the timber. Correct. Okay. So can you um, just answer one more question I had about your thermal blanket? Now, was that just in the roof or does that go all the way down and create like a membrane around every square inch of the house? Well, the, the the thermal blanket is is a is a uh, proprietary roof framing system uh, that is that is a key part of what would one would call a thermal envelope, right. um, and uh, the envelope would consist of the foundation, uh, an insulated foundation, a, a full log wall exterior, and the thermal blanket roof to create a, a thermal envelope home, and uh, but but the thermal blanket is a key element of of the envelope. So does it also create that extra insulation along around all the four walls? Uh, no, the, 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 log, the logs themselves, uh, due to the fact that uh, their high thermal mass value, right. uh, are, are, are plenty of insulation. Um, oh. when, you, when you couple that with an over-insulated roof like our thermal blanket, Okay. Uh, that utilizes a, a, a an expanded polystyrene panel system, which is, to my knowledge, the only insulation that uh, does not lose lose our value over time. It maintains its R yeah. value forever. Yeah, and okay. uh, and is and is uh, extremely uh, thick and well insulated. So when you couple the the thermal value of the log walls with a with a an insulated foundation. And the over-insulated roof and high-quality windows and doors. Then you have a, a thermal envelope oh. building that, that in our experience, anecdotally from our clients uh, talking about their power bills, you know, later on mm-hmm. and so on, mm-hmm. um, we, we've determined that uh, probably in the neighborhood of a forty to fifty percent lower heating and cooling load on one of our buildings compared to a conventional stick frame structure. Right. Right now, have you had your customers ask you for certifications such as LEED Platinum or Energy Star, or are they just so happy with the, the aesthetics and the, the everything about the house itself? It's energy efficient, but they're not looking for a specific net zero or, you know, minus 20 or minus 10. You know, are they happy with just the product and not the label? <laughs> yeah, you you pretty much nailed it right there, Anna. Because uh, those, you know, for lack of a better term, those are those are marketing terms, uh, and uh, yeah. we we've been building to the exceeding those certifications for decades, yeah. and uh, and and we have the the uh, clients and references to back that up. Uh, yeah. So so our clients typically don't ask us to to, to add to the 
tediousness of the project by getting a, you know a plaque to put on the wall that says it's you know lead certified or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Well, the other thing too is so energy efficiency goes with the personalities of the people who live in the house. Okay, and I you know I don't. I don't want to say anything negative about the certification companies, but I do have a bone to pick with the zero carbon platinum certification from LEED because they incorporated as one of their metrics the number of miles people drive with their car once a week. <laughs> now, everyone at some point in their life is going to sell their home or their family is going to inherit their home. But the... The person who built the house or lives in it is not going to live in it forever. So to me, the car should be separate from the house. So if you have teenage kids that are blow drying their hair every single day, they're using a lot more electricity and they've got 14 or 15 different electrical devices on all of the time. doesn't matter if it's a zero carbon home or a zero net zero home. It's... It's the use of the electricity, right? And it's the same with heating. And so that's, that was my one bone. And I have to say that on the air. I just feel that whether or not people drive a car, because we have too many walkers, bike riders right now, and they are lowering their carbon footprint by not even driving a car. So <laughs> it should have nothing to do with their home. But anyway, do you have anything else you want to share before we we close um, we'd love to hear more um no i think i think that pretty well covers it the only other thing i i suppose i would share is that um the the placing of your home on your site um is is really one of the key elements to uh its performance from a heating and cooling perspective as well as its longevity from uh, exposure to the sun and wind-driven rain, and uh, probably potentially even most importantly, uh, your enjoyment of the home over the years and understanding where the prevailing winds come, which direction, and you know where mm. the sun hits on the south south windows in the summer versus the winter. Those are those are key elements that should all be considered when you're when you're siting the the home on on, on your property. I know. Well, I think the passive home, it's that's, I think if you have the opportunity to cite the home to the most optimum view, not only views, but in the wind and the sun and the cooling in the wind in the summertime, that's great. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people, because of the price of land, are buying smaller lots of land and they don't really have too many choices about how they can site their their home. But I would imagine a lot of your customers have lots that are five or ten acres or more. Or- yes, that's that's that is true. And I would I'd have to say though that even you know the, the smaller lots and the smaller homes are 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 more difficult to to design because you know you have constraints to design within. And, uh, and so, yeah. and, and in having done so a number of times, I've found that oftentimes those become the most interesting and, and, uh, and, and best projects, uh, because we've had to design within constraints. And oftentimes, you know, 
uh, elevating a home slightly or or raising the um, the sill height of windows on a on a, a wall that that faces your neighbor's home. Subtle little things will have a huge impact on its livability over time, uh, especially on small sites, because there's little things you can do to mit- mitigate, you know, impediments in your view corridor or, or you know, natural breezes and that sort of thing. So it's even more important yeah. on a small site. Yes, yes, I would agree. And, you know, coming from Boston and, you know, I live in Connecticut now, I mean, most people are spending a million dollars for a home that's on a quarter of an acre or a third of an acre. And, uh, you know, I, one of my podcast guests, CEO of the geothermal company, and, you know, we talked about that a little bit. You've only got so much space to dig two or 300 feet into the ground to yeah. capture that geothermal energy. And, but you've done a lot of work in Florida also. So that's a big departure from, being in the mountains and the Rockies down to, I'm sure that you have built some homes on some spectacular ocean view estates. Yeah, we have, we we have worked in Florida. I wouldn't say a lot, but we have worked in Florida and, uh, and it is interesting to, to see uh, some of the imagery of a glass forest uh, looking out at, at a beach and palm trees versus uh, the Rocky Uh Mountains. Yeah. You know, I would love that. I would love to have palm tree in my living room. <laughs> yeah, it was. It well, actually worked pretty well. I was. I wasn't yeah. sure how it was going to look, but it, it turned out very nice. Well, we expect to see some of your glass bars in some of the upcoming episodes of some of these television shows <laughs> and movies. Well, <laughs> well, Brian, this has been so much fun and so interesting. I. I commend all of your brilliant inventions and um, I'm so glad that you turned down that promotion many years ago. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate that. Okay. All right. So where can people reach you? Do you prefer www.bigcabin.com or www.edgewoodlug.com? Really the, it depends. Either one, works uh edgewood is 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 our is our design build company so for the the higher end uh client uh, okay. that wants us us to be uh uh guiding the project from start to finish that's that's what edgewood's uh building statement is and our and our um that's our motto and big cabin is meant to be a, a supplier of product and services that are unique to the industry yeah, that can be delivered anywhere. Correct. Okay, so listen up, everybody. It's www.bigcabin.com. And if you need more info, you can always find it on my website, net. And Brian, thank you so much. This has been so fascinating. Well, thanks again, Anna. Okay, take care. Thank you for joining us today on the Live in a Home That Pays You Back podcast. We hope you tune in again where we'll share more insider secrets so you get the absolute most out of your home. Check out Anna D. Simone's award-winning book, Live in a Home That Pays You Back. Available at Amazon and major booksellers in print, audio, and ebook. For more information, visit AnnaDSimone.net. If you like what you heard, remember to follow Live in a Home That Pays You Back and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.